to Probably Science. We are back in Andy's backyard after the live one last week. It was part of LA Podcast Festival. I live uh, here too. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and Jesse's backyard. That, that was the voice of Jesse Case, regular guest co-host. Pretty much always guest co-host now. And yeah, I'm still at this point, he should be... He should be on the, the picture. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you already have that new logo. It's a lot of pressure for the graphic artist. That's true. But, but if we just do a hastily, just, just MS Paint cut and paste job of your face <laughs> my goal Brooks's. is always to look more like Brooks though yeah. so I just kind of want to make that happen I take that as pressure on myself I'm still delighted by how much taller I am on that picture than I don't mind it life. I don't mind it at all yep. it's great Tower it's actually towering yeah, towering over the much taller than me Andy in that picture uh, I'm Matt Kirsch and that's the voice of Andy Wood Yep, and I we we have uh, before we get into the show we have a cup we have someone to thank. Oh yeah, we do. Uh, Richard Goulstone sent us a donation. Thank you for that. He was a big fan of the fact that we had Reese Darby on, and he is from New Zealand. So uh, he said, anytime that we have a Kiwi on, he's going to send us money. So, um, so we got to work on that. That's pretty much it, though. I mean, like Reese is. Mo- <laughs> well, we've got. Uh, we want to thank uh, Morgan Perrine who sent in. Um, uh, sent in some potential uh, stories for us to read, which uh, you guys are always welcome to do. Yeah, anything you find interesting in the um, news that you want us to cover, and I, any questions, comments, clarifications, always probably science at gmail.com. Because I, I, uh, I think we might cover one of those stories. Those are very interesting, and um, that was some lovely research. So thank you, Morgan. And thank you, and anyone who sends in money as well. There's a little donate button at probablyscience.com. Yep. And thank you to anybody who came to the I don't know why you're literally show. weighing coins as you talk about this. <laughs> it's a little... Yeah. I am always weighing coins, and now I happen to be talking about this. I don't this. think you're doing much for the anti-Semitism <laughs> problem in the world by weighing coins while you do this Speaking discussion. Speaking of weighing coins, are you guys going to go see the Flaming Lips show? Nice. Nice. Oh. <laughs> very, very well done. Very yes. Excellent. We can finish the podcast now. We will not finish yeah. the podcast now because we just started and we haven't introduced our guest. We have uh, a very special guest. Um, as people who've watched... Uh, Doctor Who or NTSF Doctor or Who, Matt Do- <laughs> Doctor Hugh and, <laughs> and any number of other things and, the, and about to be in the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie uh, Karen Gillan Hi Hey Karen Thanks Hello for coming Karen I'm very excited to be here We're excited to have you Thank Are you, you excited about being on the cusp of super megastardom? Oh gosh! Is oh, that- when you put it like that, that really scares me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't look at it like that. Well, it's <laughs> kind of unavoidable. You're going to be in the new. You're a, a, a one of the main characters in the next, essentially the next Avengers, sort of. Kind of. <laughs> wow! You wow. suddenly look really worried. Yeah. I know. I, think I know. I think it, this the is the moment where I'm grasping the scale of the entire okay. thing. Okay. So now that now the podcast is called probably Panic Attacks <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> questioning your life decisions. <laughs> Jesse right. and Andy. Right. Um, no, that, congrats on that. That's great. Thank you. That's great. Really Thanks so incredible. much. Um, Do you so guys you, watch the Avengers and the Marvel films? I've seen a few of them. Um, I saw the Avengers, I guess. Um, I, I watched a few of those Iron Man. Yeah, I'll watch them. I'm not mm-hmm. a... Um, I take it for what it is. I think I, I quit doing comic book stuff when maybe I was I don't, nine or ten. That sounds really rude to people that still... <laughs> a little condescending. Yeah. No, it sounds so, kind of Like a listener has just taken out his earbuds, looked across at his stack of comic books and sighed. No, I, think, I, no, like, and I, I really believe this. Like, I think comic books, it's like beautiful art. It's beautiful. It's, it's, I, just, I just didn't... I don't know why it faded. I never got into... Like, I never... I've recently started reading comic books for the first time like in adulthood just really? because every so often... Um, 
I'll do shows at Meltdown Comics. Sure, mm. you get that store credit. Yeah, and they like if you if you do the Wednesday show, the Nerd Melt, uh, Kamel and Jonah yeah, yeah. show, you get given some credit to use in the store as, as your well, that's fee slash and thank you, you for doing the show. So and you know that stacks up. Have you saved any of it? I have. Yeah, the last one I haven't used yet. So what I normally do, I don't know it. I know very very little about comics, so I just put the people in there. Obviously, know a hell of a lot, so I just go. Uh, Get me something good? Here's what I'm doing. I'm saving up all the credit. I have quite a bit of it now uh-huh. in that show. Saving up all the credit, and I'm going to buy their life-sized uh, Michelangelo Ninja Turtle statue. <laughs> and then what I'm going to do Amazing. is I'm going to put it in the backyard, and I'm going to invite over a bunch of art critics telling them I have an original Michelangelo. <laughs> and I'm going to serve wine and cheese. I'm going to film the whole thing, and then I'm going to unveil a Ninja Turtle statue and watch their disappointment. And I'm going to put that online. And that's the only reason I keep doing the Meltdown show. Is for a joke I want to do. Can I come to this event? I Absolutely. Mean, I just want to see their Absolutely. faces. Absolutely. You're a roommate now. I don't know if you knew the rules when you come over. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Everyone who does exciting. the show lives here. <laughs> there is a swimming pool. I'm okay with that. <laughs> We've cleared up some couch space for you. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the fleas from the cat have gone. Now Most of the fleas from the cat are gone. I don't mind fleas. If you're That's allergic, fine. it's apparently yeah. still in there. <laughs> we had someone, someone had a bit of an allergy attack from the cat that's been gone for three months. So who knows? Did, did we talk about? What? I know we've talked about the fleas. Did we talk about the rats? I don't know if that oh came. God, up. are you serious? This house just keeps. Going. <laughs> I mean, Dude. is this real? Like there are oh, rats. There were. I saw were. a rat scurry oh. across the kitchen counter, like it was the last scene across the, the kitchen de- counter. The counter? Party. Like yeah, it, like some bad symbolism about a snitch in the house or something. Um, yeah, it's disgusting. And was then it voiced by Pat Oswald? It was voiced by Pat Oswald. That explains why he was trying to get into the bread. He wanted to make like some French toast or <laughs> yeah. something. Oh. It was really weird when Christoph Waltz showed up right that after was that strange. and gave a speech. But um, <laughs> yeah, we we had we had some rats. And that was rats are scary because their backs ripple when they run. Their backs ripple. Hmm. Yeah. Like, like how so? Like they kind of like a wormy yeah. into the. I used to have to take out the trash when I worked in a theater, and I would see them all the time in sure. London. And like in the back everywhere. alleyway, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Now, when I imagine London rats, I mean that's mm. old school. That's plague rats. Yeah, plague yeah. rats. That's yeah. like yeah. I imagine them sort of smoking and playing dice and back alleyways. That's exactly right. They pick pockets, fingerless yeah. gloves for some reason. Fingerless gloves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the cool one has like a blur shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. Absolutely. They're roasting chestnuts all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Are these uh, scallywag or uh, roustab? Oh, wait, we're all the- yeah, we have, we have discussed the larval stages of British youth. Um, <laughs> it goes uh, rapscallion, urchin, scallywag. Why are you being quiet on this? You know what the- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's most of them. Uh, scoundrel, cad. Scoundrel is a and great Scoundrel word. is when Bounder. they lose their layer of ash. <laughs> <laughs> the British larval child will lose its layer of ash. Right. And then become a cad. Yeah. Okay. okay. And it ends it, and that's when it splits. It splits into ruffian. The British child or orphan, as they're otherwise known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it splits to, to, to either like ruffian or twonk. Right. Sure. Sure. Twonk. <laughs> twonk. Um, yeah. I know. I'm on board. Webster is defined as, as one who twerks. <laughs> twonk. Twonk. Yeah. If anybody, I'm serious about, if any listeners want to have graphic design skills and want to try to make this progression of what all the British I want to see a flow chart of the yeah, British the British larval even uh, though we have we have a no small orphan to, to, uh, have, but... to a grown ruffian I, grow, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if ruffian is the last stage or not I'm not sure that's the adult stage <laughs> I want to see it either way okay well I feel like we should get into some sort of science it's kind of a big week right? well we need to well we need to uh, let's get more Karen background I'm fascinated okay, yeah, I'm fascinated how a, I'm fascinated how a, a young woman from Scotland uh, becomes a uh, master of the universe. Uh, that's a, I think that's, that's a difference. That's quite a. I'm sure, it's a different franchise. 
<laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy? No, no. What yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guardians That's right. of the Galaxy? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Which is like anything. a level down from most of the okay. universe. Okay. Like, I don't know if you ever rotate your full address when you're a kid, where you go, like, like road, street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Country, and you end up lighting, like, like Earth, yeah. the solar system, the yeah, Milky yeah, Way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Sure. So, so, like, universe is above galaxy in that address. Like, it's one level in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it's uh, on board. On board. Now, how, so... You're you're in Scotland. Mm-hmm. You get the acting bug. When's yes, I'm, I'm bad at junketing. I don't know why we're doing this. It's <laughs> great, but I know. But I feel like it's awkward to just be like we're sitting here with someone that's probably going to get a bunch of Oscars and shit. Let's just talk. Oh, let's just talk about 3D printers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like we should probably like there should so be some sort like of a red carpet. Thing. Who are you wearing? Yeah, <laughs> there should be some sort of lead in. But like um, I was just watching something about 3D printers. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. We, I'm pretty... flabbergasted at I this. I think it's the mo- It's far and away the most email thing that we get on the show. Like yeah. someone. Will either email us a story or ask to have more stories on it. I just think it's amazing. Well, there's some new stuff going on. There, I mean, there, there is a 3D printing story this week. We could go, guys. We, we can't. We gotta go back to James Lipton, Jesse Case over here. All right, <laughs> inside right. the studio before. All right. We, well, no, I do want to hear. I do want to hear. No, first, I, hold on. I've got to crawl out from under this bus. But then I. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but then, you're completely right. You're, no, I just, I just. Uh, it's just interesting to me. Um, so you're you're born in Scotland. Now mm-hmm. I have a. I'm very bad at. Um, worldview because I'm American um, <laughs> so I imagine you're born in Scotland um, you're raised by some sort of troll people you're wearing your kilt in a castle in yep. a castle okay. and you're going off to school mm-hmm. um, just I to imagine- be clear uh, Karen what, like you was one of the serfs outside the castle right don't Start thinking she's Miss Lardy Dar. Oh no no no! I, no, no, no. I wasn't the princess of the castle. Yeah, you were a serf outside of the castle. No, I was and, like, um, yeah, sort of harvesting your your wheat mm-hmm. and um, and weaving and yeah, yeah, sort all of, thing, of those things, things like that. And begging then I for assume, scraps from the the mm-hmm. count and the countess. Of yeah, the, yeah. And I assume through some sort of Gaelic ritual, um, mm-hmm. like druidic kind of ritual, you were yeah. allowed to get into sort of a what a theater company or <laughs> yeah, uh, essentially that, that's yeah, how it went. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's great. That's great. So the count and countess said that you, you know, they gave you the go ahead to sort of act. Um, yeah, and and then they set me free from the country to come. Here. Wow. Now, do you still send bread back to your parents, like yeah. loaves of bread and, mm-hmm. and sort of things like that? Sourdough? Yeah, luxuries yeah. like tights and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have tights there. Yeah, good, good. Mm. Just wooden stockings. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so a lot of sort of wool products. Um, Another package of bread and tights. Karen. <laughs> Aye, she's doing well. Maggie, we got more bread and tights. It's real nylon. <laughs> she's sending textiles. Um, is, is what we just did racist? Yes. Are we racist? Yes, right. yes. I'm highly super super racist. I'm just enjoying the like. A different British accent that they're trying to do. <laughs> right, right. How, how off is this one? Because I know my British accent is always the completely wrong class, or I combine areas or something. Karen, Karen's in a better place to okay. criticize how far off your your Our Scottish, Scottish accent was. I just think it sounds like general British to me. Oh, okay. Like everything merged together. So it goes from like Dick Van Dyke to like um, <laughs> right. the prime of Miss Jean Brodie. <laughs> right, right. Sure. That's, that's, that's fair. Sure. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So did you start, You the reason I brought it up is because you mentioned taking trash out in a theater, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that was like a movie theater. Did you? So you started no, it was like a, doing theater. 
Um, well, basically, in Scotland, um, there was a couple of classes that you could do, um, acting classes. So I just took those. And then I moved away. And then I moved to London to study acting. And then I worked in a theatre. Okay. Um, but it was actually a, a Motown tribute act that I worked at. Oh, um, cool. Which is funny because the general audience for that is not your, your usual theatre goers. Um, they're crazy. Sure. Sure. And so everyone was drunk and we had to have bouncers in there and there was fights. So it was like a big Motown party. <laughs> oh my God, it was crazy. Well, the um, the the tall, white, Scottish woman days of the Motown era were interesting. <laughs> um, I can't imagine a more accurate production. But I, I, um, <laughs> so... Uh, the fourth supreme, I'm pretty sure, was yeah. <laughs> right, right. Maggie, um, <laughs> hit your soprano. Um, so, <laughs> what's the hacking? Um, wait, I do. I'm curious though. This this rowdy crowd was it Brits or was it like American expats at the Motown show? Um, was it was there? generally British people, yeah. who loved Motown. But we had American performers in the show. Oh, okay. But I was like the one that took everybody's tickets to let them in. Oh, I thought this was your first. Oh yeah, I wasn't stage performing. Oh wow! Okay. No, no, okay. I was like this taking was like your the ticket. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I yeah. was hoping you were my sing premise my girl was or false. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I didn't okay. want to disappoint you. Um, so then, you still did it. Dress as one of the Supremes. Oh yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then, how does how does TV and film get involved? Um, how did that even begin? I remember I was. Um, oh yeah, I was if working. If it involves anything shady, you don't have to go. Into it. Like I get, we know how this town works. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't it worry about it. It wasn't shady, I promise. <laughs> I was innocently working in a pub. What was his name? Come on, tell us. Tell us. What was his name? What did he produce? <laughs> so, you're working where? I was working in a pub. Okay. In London. And then I just got this audition for this um, Scottish detective drama. And um, and then I got that. And then um, and then just got an agent from There's that. There's a body on the peat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's how I played the whole thing. And um, <laughs> it was in really successful. <laughs> What is it? <laughs> There's blood on the moor. Um, yeah. <laughs> you oh went Northern God. Irish there for yeah. a second. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I've stopped even attempting the accents. What's this doggy doing? Gus, oh, is, dog. Gus is attacking, I guess. Oh, dog. Um, so, Scottish detective drama. Yeah. And then, um, and then that just kind of led to more auditions. And, sure. then, um, and then I got a job on a uh, British TV show called Doctor Who. Just, yes. a little, just kind a of, show you which is kind of, of sciencey. Yeah, we talk about time a vortexes. Little, little show a we lot. may have heard of. Um, Doctor Who's a, who's a Doctor Hugh. Um, <laughs> Doctor Who's a huge deal. Huge Doctor Who's a huge, huge, ah, fuck. Doctor Who is a huge deal. Very big deal. You, you, uh, you were on the when when. The tenth or so doctor was christened. Who? What number was it? When um, I was number eleven. You were w- with number yeah. eleven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, had your character also had other reincarnations? Um, or no. Or is it just the doctor? It's just the doctor who. It's just the doctor who regenerates mm-hmm. every so often. Um, but the sidekicks change more often than the doctors. But we don't play the same character. We just sort of serve the same sort of purpose. a new new sidekick. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, are you yeah. also? But but as a sidekick, you're also allowed in the telephone booth. Yes. You also travel in the TARDIS. Oh yeah, absolutely. I do a research, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you know your Good stuff. You know my stuff. You practice know your stuff. accents. You work yeah. out. Yeah. I just imagine British Doctor Who is just like British Bill and Ted. That's sort of a, essentially I think yeah, it's pretty yeah. much what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty bodacious. Um, so Doctor Who, everyone's like, this is amazing. She's great. Oh. Uh, then 
then we get involved in um, in Dictators of Space. This movie, you did. <laughs> yeah. Now, how did you? <laughs> now, how did you? How did you get involved with Kaiser of the Cosmos? Are you, uh, well. <laughs> Like Jesse's basically auditioning for a job on E Networks. <laughs> right. The worst press guy. Kaisers of the Cosmos. Tell us about it. <laughs> you just don't know the name of any movies. Chieftains of the Solar System comes out next week. Uh, tell us about, tell us about your reason for being in front of me. Right, right. <laughs> Who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> right, right. That's the first question you ask yeah. in any yeah. And you always do it as if you've just been woken up by someone. Yeah. Who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> Um, so, uh, so you come, you come to LA, you said you've been here about a year. Yeah. I've been here about a year, but then I was back in London for a lot of the last year okay. shooting guardians of the galaxy. Yes. Okay. There it is. Yeah. And, um, that came about from, oh yeah, I just auditioned for it and they were like, how would you feel about shaving your head? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then I got the role and, and then shaved my head. Oh, I thought that was just like a, a really interesting way of asking if you were Jewish. No. <laughs> then, <laughs> why would that even... What? <laughs> would you ever consider shaving your head? Yeah. You, you can't be in this industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm uh, the worst. I'm going to walk into traffic now. Uh, that's great. Congratulations. That's, that's really, great. It's amazing. And when, yeah. does that, when does that premiere? <clears throat> that's going to be out in about a year's time. There's a lot of CGI in it. We shot the whole thing on green screen, basically. Really? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, a lot. So of everything's been acted, and now they're basically drawing the film. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> and two of the the hero characters, well, one of them's a tree, and one of them's a raccoon. So, um, so that involves a lot of CGI. I would imagine. I would imagine. Mm. Yeah. Because you can't cast a really like there aren't that many good raccoon actors. No, or there trees. really isn't. Yeah. They had yeah. a meerkat hanging around for a while, um, <laughs> which was really cool, and it just sort of like hung out on the director's shoulder. But I don't know if that was anything to do with the raccoon. <laughs> Those okay. are considered a good luck totem if you're in the world of directing. Uh, yeah. You always want to have a mirror coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. obviously. Um, well, it, I mean, it was it was doing that to appease you the old the old obvious Scottish theater ritual of having a meerkat on your shoulder. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so I was for, pleased. For that's show. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was an interesting writer you had, but, but um, <laughs> you know, a little high maintenance, but sure, sure. Um, I will only do this film. I will only do <laughs> right, right. Well, that's. I walk. Um, Gus. Wow. Well, um, so yeah, guys, in about a year, uh, Magisters of the Milky Way. Check it out. <laughs> so, Karen, how does it feel to be involved in two projects that are going to be under such close scrutiny uh, by nerds around the world, including oh, our listeners? Um, oh, that, I mean, I just like being involved in projects that people actually care about a lot. Right, right. And, um, and this sort of nerd world, I guess, um, people are very passionate about the project. Yeah. They? So that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And then I get to go to conventions and, and people like, like this. Yeah. Thing. Do they ask you very specific questions about backstory things that you as an actor wouldn't know? Or yeah, anything? that happens on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, you can just kind of make up any answer because like the, the thing with those sorts of things is just never apply real logic. Right. Actually, it's funny you bring that up because I wanted to talk about, uh, we all, have you seen the movie Gravity yet? Yes. Okay, so everyone okay. here has seen that we movie. We have to be careful. We're not going to spoil anything. Okay. But I will say, 
I, I loved it. I saw it in IMAX 3D. Beautiful film. Beautiful my film. hand was, my fist was clenched so tight mm-hmm. the whole time that it smelled bad after the movie from the sweat. <laughs> I was so nervous watching it. It was amazing. But there were a couple things that bugged me. You from, know how many jokes I just refused to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I literally just a tree of a hundred bad jokes and I had to just bat them all down. There were like five stages to that sentence. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Each of those bits. Yeah, I'm in the theater. My fist was clenched so tight it smelled bad I'm just I'm just sitting here like my jaw was trembling like (laughs) (laughs) um but all I was going to say was that when I went home and went straight to Facebook to complain about the one thing that did bug me what what was it What, what bugged you uh I won't say what happens, but it's it's the pivotal plot moment that involves uh, George Clooney's character not behaving, not uh, following Newton's first law of motion, which is the objects at rest stay at rest, objects in motion stay in motion. Um, I can't remember who what someone said to me after Andy just posted the most Andy thing I've ever seen. Right, and that's like I get it, I get it, I get that. Like, and I was saying the movie was great. I loved it in general, and I wasn't just trying to show off on Facebook that I know this basic science thing. I was mm-hmm. just like. This is the one thing that was pivotal to the plot that they overlooked. They spent so much getting everything else right. Why yeah. couldn't they have just... And so you, you can you explain this to me? I don't understand this. Well, okay. I don't want to... Okay. If, if you haven't seen the movie yet, just... Uh, Everyone knows two people are adrift in space. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I, I, I think, think that's I on think the next 30 seconds will be a slight spoiler. Well, then we can't. We we can't do it. That's uh, the number one contention point with this whole podcast. uh, We can spoil spoil the hell (laughs) out of a series or a movie. Basically, once something has stopped moving, um, if you you stop... (laughs) If something isn't moving, it's not going to move unless it's acted upon by some force. Yes. So there's a moment when both the main two characters... Oh, he's talking about gypsies again. ...moving... (laughs) But they're connected by something which for some reason if you if you untether that thing one of them will start moving for some reason and there's no reason for that. Oh, okay. So that so actually makes no sense. Yeah. And but was, aren't, weren't they both moving? They're in motion. At that point no one's in motion. Yeah, you're still in the gravitational pull. They're moving 10,000 miles an hour. Everyone's being pulled by gravity equally at that point. Like it's it's negligible the difference that 10 feet makes. You wouldn't be cuz you're both you're both being pulled by the, in the same direction. You're both moving sure. in the same direction. So relative to each other, if you've stopped relative to each other, yeah. you won't keep going. Right. And like uh, if you yeah. then you're, let go, you won't keep going. If, if you want to yeah. get really technical, you're not technically in what's called an inertial frame of reference where everything in a system is not being accelerated in any way and therefore everything should follow all all those laws of motion and the basic yeah. rules of physics. Like if you're in an inertial reference frame, like if, if you're in like uh, one of those circus rides the roundup that spins around like yours from your standpoint it seems like things are being pushed outward but that's because your frame of reference is itself accelerating it's going in a circle so it's an Mm -hmm. it's not an inertial frame of reference and that's and that creates sort of fictional forces like centrifugal force which isn't a thing it's just inertia wanting something to go in a straight line and you're trying to curve it around so that's the opposite of an inertial reference frame in this case, they are... Party Master show. Andy Wood. Well, we're on a science podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, absolutely. So I, even when you drop something on Earth, like it doesn't fall in a completely straight sure. line because the Earth is rotating, but that's a negligible... So you're kind of in a non-inertial frame of reference when Earth's gravity is acting on you. But like for the purposes of those two bodies that are 10 feet apart in space, they might as well be considered yes. in an inertial frame of reference where all these rules would apply within that system. Yes. So okay. you need to... There had to be some kind of force on something to make it move if it's not moving, or to stop it from moving if it is moving. And do you, do you think that the writers were aware of this and they were just like, oh, let's just do it anyway? 
I well, think they just had to find a way I, to get that plot thing to happen, but there's there's ways they could have done it. Yeah, uh-huh. well, that's the that's the thing. Like there, there, well, there seemed to be, to be real ways. Yeah, there seemed to be quite a bit of exposition in the movie, which yeah. that was my big annoying annoying thing. I hate exposition was, in general, and it's the hardest thing to deliver as an actor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it really it really is. I mean, um, obviously, you know, exposition being when pe- I was trying to. I'm already fucked up the joke. I was, trying oh, to, I was trying to do exposition about exposition. That's too, that's too, that's too smart for me. Um, yeah, so there's an incredible skill to writing exposition in a way that isn't clumsy. Yeah. yeah. And most people fall short of it. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I found it Just to be a little... Just a text crawl. Just a text crawl in the well, beginning. They, but the thing is, the they had one at the beginning, and then it was full of exposition. Right. The yeah. film opens by telling you how scary space is. Right. And then it's... And then they're still like... Then it has an astronaut telling a doctor what happens when you run out of oxygen. Yes. <laughs> yes. When... <laughs> When she they, should just turn to him and be like, you condescending prick. Yeah. I'm the doctor. When they, I know. When they explain to the medical doctor, <laughs> yeah. that's also an astronaut. These, when they reason. explain to the smartest person alive. <laughs> um, Maybe they should just have like a little like cartoon hamster or something that just pops up on screen and just goes, here's what you need to know now. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, well, it'd be like Pausing when you go, the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you go around like an art gallery, like maybe there could be like a number you call into that explains things as they're happening. Yeah, you know, you get like a tour oh guide god. of the movie. Oh my god, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Like have a thing for like grandparents. Yeah, and it also goes and it also tells you who that guy was in car. What's he doing here? Where did she come from? Why is he wearing that sweater? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, what was he in? What <laughs> what else was he in? Yeah, it's yeah, a great idea. It's a great idea. The the. I, from what I understand about that movie, and it was it was apparent to me as I was watching it that there were probably quite a few big budget studio battles going on with the director, because um, there were a lot of moments where you could tell like, oh, he's trying to really Kubrick this thing, oh. he's trying to not dumb it down, and then something would happen, you know, it's like the Jurassic Park thing where like they wanted they wanted lasers on the Raptors. And it's like you have to you have to fight so hard. To, did, is that did actually they? true? That's true. Oh my and, god! And you have to fight so hard just to not get the lasers. It's still kind of dumb <laughs> because the audience doesn't realize how many battles you've won against right. these dumb executives. Right. So yeah. like uh, I I read a uh, I read an interview with uh, Corinne. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Karen. Her name is she, you. You've no, met the director three <laughs> times. She's sitting yeah, right yeah. in front of you. Um, uh, uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, I don't know how you say oh, it. Oh yeah, Cuaron. Cuaron. Um, and he was talking about some of the ridiculous things they wanted, which I, I won't go into because some of them could spoil based okay. on what didn't happen. But oh wow, I want to um, read about Apparently, it. it was quite a fight making that movie. Wow. You know, so I think yeah. he probably lost a few of those battles. Right, and, and I, I know it's dickish to point out that stuff. And then a friend of mine commented after my comment with this link to an article about uh, the the shittiness of applying realism to criticism and how that's ruining criticism and basically saying like, "Shut up, it's just a movie." But I'm not and sure if that's valid. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying because like, I don't think that I would apply that same level of scrutiny to like an average. Like this is a movie that purports to be pretty close to what could happen like it takes place in a world that's like ours so it's not like it's different enough that you'd expect so it's them to not make like those you're going like changes. uh that wouldn't that's not what happened if you'd been oh, by but radio also didn't right like yeah. i read something the other day where buzz aldrin was saying that there was like some major thing that was wrong with it i can't remember what the thing was but he also yeah. said there was a lot right with not it. not enough man is this woman up there but I wonder. I mean, you must get that when you do conventions and things about Doctor Who. Do people try to like catch catch them in contradictions and things? Yeah, it, it normally about? comes out when we're doing some sort of like public 
question and answer session or something yeah. and then they're in front of an audience and then they'll be like I think you'll find in episode three that <laughs> the time like and I'm like I but it's like understand. someone's just chosen their moment this is something that's been burning on them for a while yeah, like, yeah. yeah. finally yeah but wow. then like um, the show creator will just make something up to explain it but it's not the person sure. who created the entire franchise is it no no so um, it started like 50 years ago the current showrunner yeah. can essentially make up whatever he wants because yeah. he runs the show yeah, it started in a whole different era. Mm-hmm. The first Daleks were dwarves that were being whipped. It was, very, it was a very <laughs> weird era for film. They really, a lot of changes have been made since then. Um, wow. So we, we do, we, we haven't asked you this, but we do always ask our guests, uh, what, if anything, is a science background? Did you do it at school? Um, yeah, I did science at school. Uh, my favorite was biology. How far did you take it? Did you go like A level? Um, so our education system is different from of course, England. Yeah, Scotland you've got um, higher and <clears throat> yeah. So I think I took yeah, I think I took higher biology. It was one of the classes that I seemed to excel in for some reason, and I can't remember anything from it. But um, I remember I did well in that class. What do, what does what does higher mean? Um, oh, what the, would they be just the. They're, like um, in British schools, you just take. There are like certain points of sixteen and eighteen where you take, where everyone does their exams mm-hmm. and they get grades, and that helps you. And that's where you need to get into universities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, hires would be around the time that you're doing SATs in America. Okay. Right, and you call them A levels. Yeah, and in in Britain and Scotland, sorry, in England and Scotland, you take specific subjects because you're already kind of concentrating towards some yeah. major that you'll study. Yeah, in like we or- like we. Sp- we specialize earlier. Yeah. I, don't, I, I still don't know whether or not that's a better system. Like in America, even at college, you do, you have to do a variety of subjects. Yeah. You that, do extra stuff. I don't, yeah. That's interesting to me. Yeah. By the time we, by the time I hit 17, I was down to three subjects. Wow. And then at university, it's, uh, it's just one. But I think we do everything younger in Scotland because yeah. I had done A levels by the time I was 16 and I left school. Okay. Well, yeah. When you start factory work at eight, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. harvesting potatoes or whatever, I, I get I'm it. Shorter lifespans and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the shorter lifespan. Well, because when you're when you're mining those mountain dwarven cities, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's rough. Yeah. It's a rough life. <laughs> We, we actually can see real time what's happening to our stats. Uh, we just lost every Scottish listener. Yeah, no, come back. <laughs> well, it sucks Thank to lose you, those Jesse. two two people. <laughs> we should get it. We should get into some Let's some of the things it. that happened. Like um, it's been a big week. From, it's been a big week for science. We probably spent too much time talking about a sci-fi film when the Nobel prizes were announced this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this week and last, like uh, we we missed out again. They. I guess they don't have a specific category for science podcasting, so not yet. we were lumped in with all the professional science scientists and well, none imagine, of our findings. Imagine what a genius Alfred Nobel would have been if upon his death in 1895, <laughs> he, he foresaw that right. in 118 years... And you know what? In hindsight, we probably shouldn't have shown up to the ceremony. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that was a little heavy-handed, a little desperate of us. We already rented the white tuxedo. What else <laughs> we were we going to do that night? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Um, well, do you guys want to hear a little bit about the history of the prize? Because I was, yeah, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. I knew the basics. I knew, well, that, I, knew I knew that like the peace prize was set up first, right? Or that, um, it was. Let's see. Wasn't it specifically because Nobel developed, like he invented dynamite, and then well, he got a conscience about as, it? As Andy will will soon prove, there may have been another reason. Uh huh. There was there were a few reasons at play. Yeah. So he was born uh, the father of an engineer and inventor who built bridges and buildings, and uh, so that guy had already had. A lot of experience with different ways uh, of blasting rocks and things. So 
when his son eventually followed in his footsteps, that became his specialty. But before he got into that again, he was um, he was into poetry. By age 17, he was fluent in Swedish, Russian, French, English, and German. Um, he loved chemistry and physics. His dad was disappointed in the fact that his son was so into poetry, though, and he was trying to force him <laughs> into his field of, of engineering. Um, so he sent him abroad to, to train in chemical engineering, and during a, during a two-year period in Sweden, or in Paris, uh, he worked at the laboratory of a chemist who had a few years earlier invented nitroglycerin, which was uh, a really explosive and very unstable liquid that as the precursor to, or I mean, I guess is required for dynamite, but dynamite was uh, a way of kind of containing that in a safer way and having... Yeah, like nitroglycerin by itself, you can't transport anywhere because if you just drop it, it explodes. Oh, really? Right. Right. So... Also, too many syllables for a solid bush song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought you were going with D and T, but you're going to glycerine. Okay, I was uh, trying Nitro to glycerine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Who sings TNT is ACDC. ACDC. Yeah, it's the only song that they have that's not about how they're about to rock you. <laughs> that's the most annoying thing. Have you guys ever seen an ACDC concert? The whole no, concert is them telling exposition. you. Yeah, it's they're telling you about how they're about to rock you, and then they just leave. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna rock, and then it's like, when? Please, uh, sing, yeah. please play a song. At least have the Queen like before and after thing of like we will rock you, and now we are the champions because yeah. we just rock. Consider yourself yeah. rocked. <laughs> I, do, I do love that about live at Bud- live at Budokan, one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah, cheap trick, cheap trick. And then like the first song is "Hello There, Ladies and Gentlemen, Are You Ready to Rock?" And then the last song is "Good Night." Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Now it's time to go. Like it's literally just like they're it's an arc. You through. Yeah. It's an arc, and also incredibly like weird. Where he's like, and I have this new Japanese guitar, and everyone like <laughs> applauds, but he's making fun of them. <laughs> is he? Yeah, he yeah. loves that audience. That's Budokan. They love I, him. I know, but he's got you know he's like for a song he plays. It's like a, a just you know a comically bad like Stratocaster knockoff that looks he's like somehow. I'm gonna be playing my new Japanese guitar <laughs> oh is it it's, it's made in Japan yeah it's a substandard guitar oh, yeah okay. oh, <laughs> I thought it was like a fashion in a way that would suggest Japanese style or something no <laughs> no no it's just a really made. shitty guitar I think he brought it from the US oh Rick Nielsen you're better than that buddy you're better than that okay but here's the part of Alfred's story that I found most interesting so he yes. did uh, develop dynamite um, and that was important obviously not only for construction and blasting but uh, military so later on in life he became sort of conflicted about his legacy but also he was kind of a loner and at age 43 he was feeling like an old man and at this time he advertised in a newspaper quote wealthy highly educated elderly gentleman <laughs> again 43 uh, seeks lady of mature age versed in languages as secretary and supervisor of household and the most qualified applicant turned out to be an Aust- Austrian countess named Bertha Kinski and they were together for a while but then she decided to return to Austria to marry Count Arthur von Suttner so uh, this Wait, left wh- Alfred Nobel really lonely and this is how he got a woman he tried to they dated for a while but she went back to marry this count instead so that was the ad well, how for a wife slash secretary slash supervisor <laughs> we all I put mean, ads in the paper what are you talking about what are you guys what doing? happened to traditional courting sure you know? he didn't have time. He was developing explosives. I guess he was busy with yeah. a dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was—he was very—he was, was a prolific. He had uh, 355 patents by the time he died in 1896. Alfred, have you no explosive powder in your heart? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, let's see. He was a strange dude. Uh, Victor Hugo at one time described him as Europe's richest vagabond. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sure. 
He founded factories and laboratories in some 90 different places in more than 20 countries. So anyhow, so this Bertha Kinski lady, uh, it seems like he was smitten with her, but she left to go marry the Count. And um, in the intervening years, she became increasingly critical of the arms race, and she wrote a famous book called Lay Down Your Arms. It became a prominent figure in the peace movement. So this might have actually had some role in Alfred Nobel then starting this prize. To impress the one that got away. Right. In his will, he, he right. left the stipulation to have... It's always about women. So it's a combination of that, and also, this is the craziest thing about the whole story to me. Uh, he was eight- a Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Half bat, half man. Uh, in 1888, Nobel was astonished to read his own obituary. So Alfred's brother, Ludwig, died, um, but the newspa- this French newspaper mistakenly thought Alfred had died. So they wrote Alfred's obituary, which he got to read his own obituary, which was titled, The Merchant of Death is Dead. Oh, yeah. So he got that, to, he got to thinking what kind of like it's a wonderful uh, life yeah. crazy story. You should is never that. read your own obituary. Like, never. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's it's like the first not thing logical. You learn about acid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't read that. Don't read your own obituary, bro. It's gonna be bad. It'll trip you out, <laughs> dude. So yeah, this kind of you get- can't do that because like most if you're if most sufficiently well known people who are above a certain age have obituaries ready like pre written ready to go. Sure. Dark like, ev- like most um. Big newspapers and TV stations have obituaries f- made, written, produced, filed, and just ready to just press send. Yeah, if they if that person That's dies. That's crazy. Right. I've chosen the song that I want to get cremated to. Mm. What is that song? Can we, can we guess you can get that? a cremated cremation song. Oh, you choose your own song that you like burn to. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And I've chosen <laughs> Oh Fortuna from Carmen Burana. Oh, that's dramatic. Yeah, I was Super thinking dramatic. like I could like have that playing and then um and then just have like fireworks and like flames shooting up and it would just be like the most dramatic thing ever. <laughs> now you're aware you're not going to be there for this. Well, I will technically, will. but um, <laughs> I just won't, you know, be alive. She'll feature prominently in the proceedings. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, this is a little dark, but I've been talking to my dad about this lately like he he's has funeral plans, what mm-hmm. he wants. And it's so depressing and dark. And it's like, you're not going to be sitting there, like, enjoying everyone being bummed out. Right. You know what I mean? Just Oh, like, your dad's plans are really, like... uh, Their plans is if he's going to be able to, like... But he doesn't want it to be, like, celebrate my life. He wants everyone to be really bummed out. No, he, like, has a few songs where it's like, well, dude, I'm going to have a panic attack crying when I hear that. Like, but isn't the whole funeral for me, not for you? Like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to ask him to listen to Harry Nelson's Don't Forget Me or something. Right. You can throw me in the pool. I'm not going to know. Yeah. Which is why... (laughs) (laughs) Which is why Karen's friends and family get a firework display. Yeah. Wow. I just think it would be so funny to make it as dramatic as possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it going to be the entire, possible. isn't it like a multi-movement piece? Isn't it like, <laughs> yeah. isn't it like 20 minutes right. long? Yeah, well, like, like way too long. I want it to go on like two beats too long. Yeah. Maybe like a choir, like a gospel choir. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Coming well, yeah, at the you end. Know, like Mozart wrote his own requiem. It's the most cocky thing you, know, you could ever do. And it's so sad, you know? It's like, no one else's music is going to be good enough for this funeral. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to step up to the plate. Like the saddest piece of music. You know, he, he, he's dying, like, training the choir. Like, all right, yeah. people are going to get real bummed out here, so sing louder so just yeah. to, to drown out the screams. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so yeah, Alfred read his own obituary, and this bummed him out, got him st- started to think about what his legacy was going to be. So he changed his will, uh, stipulating that when he died, um, let's see, he signed this will in 1895. Uh, it specified that his fortune was to be used to create a series of prizes for those who confer, quote, the greatest benefit on mankind in physics, chemistry, peace, physiology or medicine, and literature. Those are the original ones. 
and I think there have been some additions. Economics then. has been added. That's and right. Curling. Yeah. Curling, yes. Curling? <laughs> and charisma. There's one for, <laughs> right, for right. geniality. Right. And street dance. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, Most likely to succeed. <laughs> midwifery. There's a very specific <laughs> very one. Specific. I don't know why that one. Uh, so yeah, so uh, the current prize is um, you get to say you're a Nobel laureate and you get eight million bucks is what it is now. Uh, I don't know what it was originally. Let's see. Um, oh, he, 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 he bequeathed. Why can't I say he bequeathed? He bequeathed ninety-four percent of his total assets, which were thirty-one million sek. Uh, they said it's equivalent to one hundred eighty-six million U.S. dollars. That'd be Swedish kroner, I think. Oh, okay, makes sense. Um, to establish the prizes, and because of skepticism surrounding the will, it was not until eighteen ninety-seven that it was approved, um, and the executor, the executors of his will, formed the Nobel Foundation to take care of all this stuff. Wow. Ah. So a combination of uh, the woman who got away was big into peace. He felt guilty about dynamite. And then and he had he the full on this... Scrooge moment where yeah. he saw his own yeah. funeral. Wow. Yeah, this isn't... Yeah. Wow. But and... the family, yeah, the Nobels, they were super rich. They were some of the richest people alive in their day. And um, he was a brilliant dude, and he just happened to create something that went on to what, kill did he Did he make the money, or were they already wealthy? They, they were wealthy, but then he also did a lot during his time. Like mm-hmm. I said, he had like 355 patents and yeah. started all these factories and things. Um, so we should probably talk about some of the, one, some some of the, the ones, the, the winners. winners. Yeah. Some of the winners, yeah. So uh, so the physics one was shared by uh, Francois Englert and uh, Peter Higgs uh, for basically predicting the Higgs boson, which was then confirmed by... Was discovered. The Collider. But, yeah, yeah, in CERN. Which is starting back up soon with... Uh, it's going to be more energy... Yeah. Trying to do bigger experiments. So well, I guess start, starting that back. It's a it's almost particle smashing season. <laughs> gotta get that started. So get your licenses now. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to smash some particles, <laughs> smash you gotta get, get yourself down to Switzerland. So again, we talked about this before, but the uh, the the theory behind not the theory, but the um, what they were trying to prove is a theory of how particles acquire mass, and this is work that's been going on since 1964 when they proposed the theory independently of each other. Um, and in 2012, their ideas were confirmed by the discovery of the Higgs, the so-called Higgs particle, Higgs boson, at the CERN laboratory. And, and Peter Higgs had no idea he'd won the prize. Like he really? was, yeah, he was on holiday at the time. Like that's hilarious. At first, it was reported that he um, that he found out he'd won and instantly just disappeared to avoid the media. But in fact, he just was off the grid because he just wandered off on his vacations. Wow! <laughs> but <great>. he's <laughs> he's this really like uh, he's retiring too. He announced that today. He said he was going to retire age 85. Uh, wow. And how old is he? He was born in uh, 1929, so I guess he's 84 now. Ah. Hmm. Does that work out? Someone mm-hmm. check my sums. Yep. That seems right. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he discovered he got back home, and one of his neighbors was driving past and leant out the window and said, Well done on the prize. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Wow. I love just like how casual this is. Yeah, that that could be, you could be that important to the further yeah. of, of humankind's knowledge yeah, and then yeah. be unaware of the fact that they oh, were. I was on holiday. Right. <laughs> just. Isn't that like when, uh, when Smells Like Teen Spirit hit number one, uh, Kurt Cobain, like they were, they were somewhere, they were like in Ireland touring, but they were all just in a van. They slept in the van every night like they had no idea. Wow. No one could get the tour before they blew up, so they still had to do these Yeah, they were touring with a band. They were opening for a band called Tad, which no one listens to anymore. It was another band on Sub Pop, and they just, um, you know, 
Yeah, that's that's what happened when Arcade Fire blew up. They were still opening for um, the Weaker Thans, this other Canadian band. And halfway through the tour, they became like the biggest band in the world, but they still had to fill these dates where they're the opening act. Right. So Did they saw swap places because I know that's happened sometimes with bands. Well, no, I saw they opened for the at the Bossa Nova Ballroom in Portland, which isn't that big. Arcade Fire opened, and then half the crowd left <laughs> right. for the headlining band. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. Arcade Fire uh, Arcade Fire has done some good work on Dark Matter though, which I think is is interesting. I don't get I don't, it. I'm just, He's just trying to okay. get us back so, on topic. Sorry, trying to get okay, us back on. Okay. Uh, how, about, how about talking about physiology or medicine? Uh, that went to James Rothman, Randy Sheckman, and Thomas Sudhoff for their discoveries of machinery regulating vesicle traffic, a major transport system in our cells. Which I, I don't... I mean, I'm so bad on biological science. I really don't. But this is, this is how... How cargo is transported in the cell. Right. Uh, here's the summary. If you want to do, I guess we could just uh, read from the layman's term version of what happened. Um, they solved the mystery of how the cell organizes its transport system. Each cell is a factory that produces and exports molecules. For instance, insulin is manufactured and released into the blood, and signaling molecules called neuro- neurotransmitters are sent from one nerve cell to another. Um, these molecules are transported around the cell in small packages called vesicles, and the three of these guys have discovered the molecular principles that govern how this cargo is delivered to the right place at the right time in the cell. And then what, what will they do with Nobel. that? Uh, good question. Um, we know more about, um, I guess, through their discoveries, they've revealed the exquisitely precise control system for the transport and delivery of all that cargo. And disturbances in that system have deleterious effects and contribute to conditions such as neurological diseases, diabetes, and immunolo- immunological disorders. Wow. Okay, so I guess they can use That's that. That's really yeah. useful. I'm sure it could help with vaccines Stopping. and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Probably all those things. But we, this is like the weakest area for all of us, I think. Yeah, Anything I know. life sciences is always our uh, absolute worst. Well, I, I heard something at NPR the other day where like they, they still don't even know what they're going to do with the Higgs boson. Like it's just a discovery. Well, I mean, they don't really know that's how to apply it. Understanding the fundamentals of what of how our universe works, absolutely. Like why matter has mass, like why things. Well, no, it's a big yeah. deal. So it doesn't it's, matter if it's, it's a, a direct application to the right. But I mean, when life, are they going to put it in my TV? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, how does this apply to me, man? The, the economics prize. Uh, the the I, again, I was listening to an interview with uh, the guys from that. They were basically showed with their work that you'll never make money on the stock market as an individual that's awesome wow uh, i mean that wasn't that was one of their fight that was one of their results rather than the main thing they were investigating but uh it was quite like it, everything moves too quickly and is too unpredictable on the uh that if you're kind of looking at it as a as just a person wanting to invest your own money and going oh that's going down now that's going up you will not make money can it i mean so that's based purely on trends and not on any kind of is there somebody that could take into account knowledge of the way the businesses work that is legal to have so not insider trading but like research driven strategies let me see it says uh they eugene farmer uh lars peter hansen and robert schiller were the the winners of the economics prize uh they show that uh, stock prices are extremely difficult to predict in the short run and that new information is very quickly incorporated to prices um so basically, the only way it's like blackjack, like you're going to slowly lose your money unless you're counting cards, which is technically illegal. So like if right. insider, tra- basically, insider information is the only way you could beat the stock market unless you're just investing in aggregate in in like. Funds. On the long term, you can predict it. Uh, right. So if they're they're nearly impossible to predict over days or weeks, but in the long term, uh, apparently stock prices fluctuate much more than corporate dividends, and the ratio of prices to dividends tends to fall when it's high. And tends to increase when it's low. Uh, 
and that holds for stocks but also for bonds and assets I don't understand economics oh, <laughs> I'm so out of my I was trying to follow it I was trying to follow it we got the we got the warning today on our credit rating we got the slap on the wrist there Oh, as a country. I think I mean, as we a, at this no, table. As a, as my country's fine, dude. Don't <laughs> yeah. really like, into this. Just got a letter through. Did you yeah. not know? Well, I don't know how and credit you're works. You're being uh, repossessed. <laughs> yeah. Your roommate's involved, right? In your credit rate? Yeah. I don't know how it works. <laughs> oh, my God. One time I was getting uh, my car insurance updated, and they asked if anyone else lived in the house, and I was just living in a shared house in Portland. And I just said, well, I have a roommate. Like, well, what's his name? Well, I'm like, no, no, no. You don't have, he's not going to ever drive my car. But they, w- they refused to uh, let me finish getting my insurance since I gave them his info and it turned out he had an awful driving record <laughs> and it messed up my insurance because wow. he lived in the house with me and i was like he's never going to drive my car this is just a person who lives in the house wow yeah thanks a lot mike ormsby <laughs> hey. Sorry, buddy. Your regular crashes <laughs> <laughs> um so what uh, there's well, the, one the chemistry, chemistry? Yep. went to people uh who were involved in the computer mapping of molecules and it dated right back to um the 70s where they were the, the the guys who did it in the seventies uh, were doing it with punch card machines, sure, uh, and incredibly massive, slow computers. Uh, Martin Karplus, uh, Michael Levitt, and Arie Walshall. Uh, and according to the press release, they lay the foundations for the powerful programs that are used to understand and predict chemical processes. So now all the computer models, um, when they're modeling interaction with chemis- chemicals, both for medicines and just chemical interactions in general. All the computer models that they use for that basically get traced back to these guys in their initial work. Sure. So they're original sort of algorithms that they wrote. Yeah. Uh, nice work, guys. And, the, you know, the crazy interactions between uh, m- ludicrous numbers of things. Now, do we, do we know how it's decided? I know you get nominated for a Nobel Prize, but some people get Nobel Prizes like 50 years after the big thing they did. Yeah, you know, like uh, these guys, and uh, like but, the literature and peace prizes particularly seem to be like more often like lifetime achievement, right? Right, right. right but then, well, I mean, like Barack Obama has the has the peace prize, mm-hmm. which it seems like. Well, it, that felt like more of, of a statement against the war. Like that was like, okay, Bush is out, someone else is in. We're going to give him the peace prize just to well, say. To me, it seems like they just the forgot they had to ass- like give one. <laughs> it was a slow <laughs> year for peace. Yeah, it was like the night yeah. before, and they're like, oh shit, I forgot we have like we also have that trophy. <laughs> who's well, who's like, doing stuff? Putin got <laughs> nominated for the peace prize this year. Really? Yeah, there was a press release. The thing went out about it. Who? Vladimir Putin got nominated for the Peace Prize this you year. You know, peace-loving, shirtless horseback riding. You know. <laughs> right, right. For his work in trying, like, it was, wow. the citation was for his work in helping to bring peace to Syria. Or helping okay. to avert wow. the Syrian war. Well, I guess, yeah, they, they did, they did help. That's yeah. true, yeah. Hmm. Uh, um, but did you hear about, Karen, it, well, hear? the only reason he stepped in was because he heard Syria was super gay. <laughs> So then he, uh, <laughs> he's you know. punished. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> him. yeah. So we, you know, there was some controversy with the peace prize though this year. Karen, do you know who Malala is? No, I do not. She's Malala, this Pakistani this teenager who, <laughs> 120 degrees in the room when you do it. Um, <laughs> Malala is this teenager from um, Pakistan who was attacked. Let me actually. She was shot by the Taliban. Yes, for wanting to go to school. Um, Because they have the the very strict, like the Taliban adhere to the most strict Sharia law where it's to the point, I mean, it's so extreme, it's it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So they don't want women going to school uh, past a certain age. And she, uh, so she had to quit going to school, but then she was talking about it, uh, like on the radio and everything like that. And then she found out on an an Al-Qaeda website that she was like marked by them. And uh, they shot her. They issued her. a fatwa against her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they had a fatwa, and they shot her. 
and she, um, you know, continued, and then she sort of continued. Being it didn't an scare her. Yeah, she's been even more vocal since then. And she survived. Gone. She's taken to yeah. Well, Western she's also and- she's she was also extremely. Uh, you know, I know it seems like, oh, well, that's just the education system, but also I think the main thing is she's extremely... She's really sharp. Well, she's really sharp, but also she uses, um, you know, nonviolence. Like, she, yeah. she, she had said if she gets attacked, she'll refuse to fight back. And if she, met, know, and doing, if she met her attacker, what they, uh, John Stewart asked her what she what he, she would wish on him, and she said she wished that his children would have an education so that they would know, you know, right, right from just like wished edu- wished education upon her attacker. Right. Her, so she's yeah. so she, I think that's where the peace part comes in. She's you know she's she's been very gone. <laughs> so she was it. on the list. She was nominated, and then she lost. She oh lost. really? Susan Lucci style. Yep. She uh, she lost to. Um, just chemical weapons watchdog general, group yeah the organization group. for the prohibition of chemical weapons which is also yeah. like it seems like a fairly worthy yeah yeah or op yeah yeah she OPCW. didn't <laughs> she didn't lose to like uh smith and wesson or something yeah right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but or um, men in black three <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those those accountants over at price waterhouse have some explaining to do i assume that's they're they're the ones who keep traveling envelopes for everything yeah right? yeah so know. congrats to all the noble winners yes, listeners of our show congratulations um, <laughs> karen if you could pick a nobel prize to win which one would you want um probably the peace prize peace yeah for uh, what and what would you presume okay let's go fast forward 20 years you're winning the peace prize what do you think you've done to earn it oh my god that is a huge question <laughs> basically like what would i change about the world what would i make I better know, what do you think you might have feasibly changed right uh, yeah realistically yeah oh my god i am not capable of achieving <laughs> such important things <laughs> what if all it's i even, do is recite lines what if, it's a, what if it's a movie that you get green lit that otherwise wouldn't have been made <clears throat> that sheds light upon some uh situation that needs to be remedied and you're the champion of this cause okay then- how about like um like um making a film that for some reason stops people committing suicide oh boom that's Nobel prize worthy i okay. think yeah so i mean obviously um as an as an actor you know you're gaining you're gaining steam you're gonna be a big deal it's <laughs> all you know we're getting there we're getting there now pretty soon you're going to have to pick a charity to get behind. That's that's the go-to move. Every major I guess so. every major actor has something that they, you know, uh, champion. Mm-hmm. Um, patron of. They're right. a patron of, sure, mm-hmm. sure. So what's the big cause? Well, actually, I've been the... approached by quite a few charities in the UK. Yeah, I, re- I realized as I was saying like that. Which ones? Oh, no, no, no. Sounded... But I just um, haven't gotten behind any of them yet because I wanted to choose the right one. And I think I would probably choose something to help people with a learning disability. Okay. Nice. Because I grew up around a lot of people with learning disabilities. Um, I would volunteer every Saturday night um, to go to a club and just kind of like help out. But I was quite young, so I didn't really help that much. But um, so, yeah, but if I could help, just I was there yeah, running around nice annoying them, around probably. Surely. <laughs> we yeah. weren't doing that. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive to me. Wow. Um, actually, I meant to ask... Um, did you when you shaved your head did you give your hair to locks of love that is what i plan to do in the long run Uh um but right now i am in possession of the wig because i need it to be able to work because i'm so bald oh my god (laughs) i've just whipped off my my hat it looks good though when did you shave it um so the last time i shaved it was probably about 10 10 days ago i want to say you literally took a straight razor to it yeah 
So I had to shave it for the role in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. um, she's very bald in the comic books. So um, and they would shave it every day before I would work. It's v- you have a very well shaped head though. My, my head is weird. I, I shaved it for swimming when I was in high school and it looked awful. Oh, everybody yeah, says this to it's me though. I now realize being a bald girl that everybody I think tries to make you feel better by saying they have a weird shaped head themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it from everyone. You can feel the angles on it if you want to afterwards. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. So yeah, once you're done with that wig, then yeah, someday. that's going to charity for sure. But I don't know whether to auction it and get multiple wigs for people, or just give give someone the wig. Yeah, we were talking about this yeah. the other day. Like it yeah. might be a you might be able to do more good. More if, you, if I auction yeah. it. There are some like very, a famous wig. Very rich perverts out there. So you could, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, just get loads of wigs out of these perverts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It could be just someone who thinks like okay, just so a crazy probably a pervert. You know what I need? So Karen Gillan's real hair on my basset hound. So <laughs> like this, this. Can you imagine how good a basset hound would look with like long red hair? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, if there's any DJs out there, when Karen just said, "Get a load of wigs out of these perverts," remix it, <laughs> send it in. Probably at gmail.com. <laughs> that was I, fa- I think that was a fairly isolated clip. There were no interruptions, yep. so let's let's get a nice house beat under that. that. <laughs> get a load of wigs out of these perverts. And then, yeah. Wait, now she's from Liverpool. Hold yeah. on a second. Get a load of wigs out of the perverts. perverts no, that was John Lennon for a second. Yeah. 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 A bit of perverts. Perverted wigs. Get a load of wigs out of. No, mine's worse. Mine is worse. <laughs> I think nothing is worse than our Liverpool accent. Jesse and I will sometimes sit around and just do Liverpool accents back and forth. Yeah. It's really yeah. dumb. Really? It's, uh, Genuinely? That is, that's that's not even like, well, big Beatles fans. We we'll just do shit. Oh, okay. that, that that's the Beatles accent as well. That's, right, not, even, not, even a, that's how people from Liverpool kind of sounded in the 60s. In the 60s. It was right. Yeah, right. In the place. But they talk like that now, don't yeah. they? No, it's... But it still has the sing-songiness yeah. to it. Like there was a ki- one of the kids in the Up series of documentaries was from Liverpool. Neil. Neil. Neil's Neil. the best. And when he's seven years old, he's, when I grow up, I want to be a bus driver. I want to drive people <laughs> yeah. around and show them things. Well, I suppose I believe in God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but everyone knows, obviously, next to Liverpool is the town of Spleenpool. Uh, which is, uh, come on, people. Um, uh, boy. Go like from accents to puns, they're just I'm lower sorry. and lower. I'm with sorry. Oh, I like puns. <laughs> um, guys, did you know that fellatio by fruit bats prolongs copulation time? I did not know that. Well, I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ridiculous Duh. thing. Though. Obviously. Well, guys. when they're wearing wigs, yeah. They, they should point out this is no longer Nobel Prize. No. <laughs> no, 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 one, no one won a prize for this. In fact, they had prizes taken away when they discovered this. Um, but it uh, it turns out, I mean, we've known for some time that uh, that uh, cunnilingus increases the duration of copulation in the Indian flying fox. So um, it would My make... flying fox doesn't do that? <laughs> No matter how much peanut butter I use, <laughs> so it turns out that um, it turns out that in fruit bats, um, oral sex uh, is is used to the the female bats often lick their mate's penis during a dorsoventral copulation, and so what that means is she she lowers her head to uh, to lick the uh, the male fruit bat's penis um, while he's already while they're already having sex. So it's sort of to. Wow. I guess what I'm saying is the just the sex alone. I, well, they're very flexible. These fruit bats. Uh, okay. Apparently, just just the sex alone is not enough to keep. And they didn't have to have a rib removed by a surgeon. No, no, <laughs> no. They didn't have to write goth rock. They didn't have to do anything. Now, apparently, just um, for 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 fruit bats, 
just uh, being inside the female fruit bat's vagina is not enough to uh, to keep uh, keep an erection. So they have to also these be- days. Yeah, yeah. Well, with all the inter- with all the internet stimulation, um, you know they got standards. They're changing. It's not fair. It's not fair. So, so the the female has to also stimulate the rest of the penis um, because well, ju- just the vagina is not a is not. And, not and the woman's just fine. Like, did the does well? The, to be fair, it's not a guy as a, thing. It's not as essential that the female enjoy sex. Hey, I'm just saying. Technically, uh, for reproduction, yeah. yes. Um. Although I think there have been other studies where that really does make a difference. I mean, there has to be in in which spe- in in all species or just like I don't know. Humans? I'm going to have to look this up now. <laughs> it does go a little far though, where after obviously the uh, male fruit bat ejaculates, he throws a towel at her and leaves some money on a dresser, <laughs> yeah. which I think that's a weird behavior in the fruit bat. I didn't <laughs> even know they had a system of currency. In they the do fruit the fruit. Bat, yeah, yeah, they have a system okay. of currency. Um, no, so so the female um, she lowers her head to lick the shaft or base of the male's penis. Okay, now. But does not lick the, the glands penis, which is already, is already sort of in, because they never withdraw the whole time, um, and that keeps it going. Um, so they've, d- they've discovered a positive relationship between the length of time that the female uh, is, is engaged in this activity um, and the duration of copulation itself, and the longer duration of copulation leads to more... Um, fluids in which to possibly create a. That's a that's I'm trying to not wait, sound wait, like wait, the wait, worst, okay. most no, no, disgusting. No, no. <laughs> no, you're saying like it it, it lengthens the amount, it del- so it delays the it, ending. It delays ejaculation, but then there's more of it. There's more. Okay. Okay. Um, there's no place to go with this, but there's no like. Non- I mean, I shouldn't have even. No, 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 no. It's just a good story. I yeah, thought I could talk no, about it in a scientific way. That is but actually it's, really interesting. But it's it's the whole thing's just you know come on. It's fruit by the fellatio. Like, yeah, but that was one of the stories that was sent in by Morgan. Yeah, thanks, Morgan. Oh, okay, thanks, yeah. Morgan. <laughs> we all learned something. No, I don't blame you. No, that was a great story. That it was. Is, it is. It's an I, interesting. I, I, don't, uh, I, I think if I'd stumbled across fruit bat fellatio yes. in when I was looking through the science pages, I certainly would have flagged <laughs> that up as one for us to do as well. Well, it's just it's just interesting to me that the act itself isn't enough i wonder if it was always never enough or whether yeah. that's like because they've evolved and they're like oh it's not good enough anymore yeah well that would have to be no it, it, would, it would have to be a case of or at least it would almost certainly be a case of oh at some point in evolution they would the there would be a mutation that. yeah there'll be a mutation and that would if make so, more- is that going to happen to humans yeah, or well, the ones who can do that were more likely to end up reproducing and passing on there. Yeah, I've read some articles about people trying to find an evolutionary justification for just oral sex in general, like as a way. And I've read—I so, don't know if this is something that I can totally stand behind as far as it being corroborated by scientists, but that maybe it, oral sex in humans is some kind of way of like testing the waters to see if someone is diseased. Sort of. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Like not in a conscious way, but like sure. that could have evolved as a, as a I thing. I thought you were going to say like testing the waters to see if the person is into it, right? Oh, which would that. also make sense. I thought yeah, sure, to see if sure. they're good no, or like, not. Yeah, just to see <laughs> if things are things are going wrong in some way that would alert you to the fact that you shouldn't proceed beyond this. But I don't know if the, I don't know if the science could really back that up as like something that could have evolved to have happened. That seems pretty well, high it's, level. It's it's so strange to me where we're at right now with evolution because of uh, we're as the dominant species on Earth. Uh, not numbers wise, but you know, as as the it's safe to say we're running shit. It's safe to say I think humans are um, yeah. so the less threats we have, the survival of the fittest sort of goes away a little bit. So it's going to be really interesting seeing what happens to our evolution as we get more sort of shallow. I well, think. Yeah, well, yeah. certainly also the things that used to be selected out right in evolutionary terms aren't an issue anymore. Like genetic, like there are lots of genetic conditions that are either 
curable or treatable or worked mm-hmm. around. Well, there are a lot of genetic conditions that are considered attractive <clears throat> that aren't necessarily like what? survivability. Like, like things that have just become fetishized by our culture. Yeah, that and, and to also fertility. The yeah. or the, like if, if, okay, there's some, you know, you're out at some bar and, uh, you know, there's some guy with two brains. He has a big two brain nutsack looking head. <laughs> no girl's going to go home with that guy. You should totally go home with that guy. Go home with... For the novelty or the experience. Well, no, for, for evolution. For the story. All right. Oh, no, because, because we, we should, you know, that's great if we can all evolve to have two brains, but it's a, it's a mutation that would be frowned upon, but glad to know where your head's at. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. To all the people out there with two brains. <laughs> but it is, it, like, yeah, it's, it's definitely the case, like, it's no longer the person who can run fastest or kill predators the right. most efficiently. Yeah, like, I sort of feel like it is. It's just that all of that sort of like thing, all the things that you would deem successful are now just way more like cerebral. Right. Yeah. So it's like less physical. I yeah. was wondering and there are still certainly can... physical traits that are more highly prized. Yeah. Right. And it's still for that reason. You like, know, I mean, that's what the human still... population is still growing on average over the generations. Right. And it's still... Right. And we're still attracted to things that I think attracted our ancestors. It's just we think it's for different reasons. Yeah. Um, like now we think it's aesthetic. We don't realize that actually is a genetic drive in us. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know. Like symmetry and faces and things like that suggest that person's well, healthy. I don't, and I don't really know why you have to take jabs at me. Your <laughs> face little, is symmetrical. I'll give you that. A little offensive. Um, you know? He's a little testy. Jesse has been called schlubby by female guests we've had on. Well, every guest we have on looks at me while they say something like that. You were <laughs> No, who is a choosing a polite conversation? No, I know, I know. I was, I was just joking. But who is a Kimda? We had her on. She Kimda said from something. The girl. She looked, she looked right at me when she was like. <laughs> if a person is schlubby, and then just like yeah, nodded. I don't even know what schlubby means. It's it's one of those words. It's just the sound of it almost explains. Okay, yeah. It's just sort of like no. She was like talking about the homeless or something and just glared at me. <laughs> I was like, well, this, come on, it's a little much. Well, there is something that we were, we, we had this um, author on who wrote a book about the genetics of sports, of elite athletes recently, and it turns out a lot of female athletes have uh, either like XXY chromosomes or some are actually, not a lot, but like more than occurs in the, in the rest of the population. Um, there are some athletes who are XY, so they're, they're men, but they're androgen insensitive, so they have as much testosterone as... Well, as, as Matt and I do, uh, <laughs> sorry, but they're just their bodies don't respond to it, so they never be- develop the secondary or whatever. They never de- developed, so they have like underdeveloped testes hidden inside, and the, sure. they're technically men, but they never became men. And it turns out so sort of technically genetically men, genetically or yes, I guess I don't want to get into semantic. I'm, I'm into it. Where's to, the website? How do we meet them? Let's do interestingly this. Interestingly enough, a lot of athletes this way, um, a lot of female models. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually XY and androgen insensitive. Sure. Sure. Which sort of explains the trend of not the stereotypical no, female. Oh, very, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. That, very like yeah. alien Leggy, looking, Roswell yeah. looking sort of uh, model types, you know, right, yeah. I'd buy that. So that's kind of an interesting side note from that book that we didn't get to. But yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of female athletes and models. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Or sort of men. I'm not trying to say they're men, whatever. But they, you know, they're they have a little more testosterone. No, they have as much testosterone as we, as men do, but their bodies don't respond to it, so they never developed the male. I think uh, didn't or, didn't the book say with the models it was more likely to be X X Y Y 
rather well, than think, XY. Think, well, when that their career also, is over, it's just X, or XXY. X, X, X. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you got to got to pay the bills. But also, does that affect like um, the brain at all with those levels? So, like, um, ah. might they be like? attracted to women a slightly more than another woman or something like I'm that i'm not sure because how does that work with like i don't know the how how like i don't know hormones if we have any produced if we have any geneticist listeners we do and um, there's a good chance we do because i know we have real scientists yeah, who write right. in not eugenicists quit emailing <laughs> geneticists you need to get off those mailing lists jesse <laughs> we're, we're sick of that guy's emails you're weird <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, I guess if you can write in and explain There was no seventh tower. We get it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, if someone can explain the genetics of desire, I guess, if that's not directly from... That must not be just from testosterone, but then something else fires the things that make... uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think scientifically that's still... uh, at At least to the mainstream world, I mean, isn't that still a gray area? A lot of people. I mean, I, no, but I think people know like which I, at least which glands do which things. I can't even remember which. Yeah, like, does the pituitary yeah, yeah. do? St- like, is it just the, the testicles that produce the test? I don't know. This I is why know. there's the probably better not. Yeah, yeah. We don't really yeah. know. <laughs> um, I do know. I do know that testosterone is linked to libido in both genders. I yes. think So if women, if women are getting more t- testosterone, their libidos are increased also. Not necessarily to be attracted to the same, still to be attracted to sure. whatever they were attracted yeah. to, sure. but uh, I think it heightens, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm just talking out of my ass, but uh, <laughs> how do we get started talking about... Uh, fruit bat. Fruit bat. Fruit bat yeah. They got 3D printing with metals now. Let's do, it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's chuck that in really? quickly because we got a little bit of time. The one that I saw was like a rubber saw. Yeah, and, and most 3D printing so far has been... Uh, like polymers. Uh, plastics. Yeah, various plastics. Um but according to this article, the European Space Agency has unveiled t- plans to take 3D printing into the metal age, according to this uh, BBC News p- article, um, by building parts uh, for jets, spacecraft, and fusion projects. That's really cool. Yeah, didn't they, they build one that was uh, two meters in size? It's the biggest part they built so Damn. far. But like a complex, you know. Like moving part. Like it wouldn't have been able to be brought back. Uh, in a Terminator time machine unless it was wrapped in yeah. human flesh. Yes. So it does a... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it had... A, I mean, obviously, you time travel in the nude. Right. You have to do that. Um, you have to do that, but not on Doctor Who, interestingly. Although no. there's probably some fan fiction that says so. <laughs> I. Uh, but I, I think... Have you read? Have you ever read... You must have <laughs> oh, read no. some fan fiction. Written. Right. No, we I have haven't. We have to talk about this. <laughs> I haven't. It exists. I'm sure it exists. I'm going to tell you something, right? I'm pretty sure my mom's been reading it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. I, I mean, she hasn't like given like me any details. You're lowering your voice for yeah, the recording I just, because she always she listens to all science podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, no. I think she might have been reading it, and I'm perturbed by this. Yeah, what did she, how did she break? She, this like, news she knows to you? that it's like a fictional story. She hasn't just yeah, phoned you up and gone like, Karen, what have you like, been up to? I'm not sure. She's just like, oh, I was reading a funny story about you and Matt Smith on the internet. <laughs> Wow! What's the story? Oh, some stuff happened. I I, I think that's what she's been reading. I'm not sure though. That's absolutely. That's got to be it, right? (laughs) What else? What other options? Like a story where you went on a picnic and then right. But then again, I mean, like, there's got to be so much in legitimate uh, internet searches that will come up before you get to that that you'd probably have to type in extra keywords to get no, to that. No, I don't stuff. think so. I would hope so. I think, you would I, just, want... I think you would just have to go page six or seven, which a proud mother will do. <laughs> yeah, go deep in the Google search. Because my you know, my mom will Google Google me for comedy stuff and then she'll get to some bizarre thing on page nine. Where my I, mom, that's like, the only thing she... Like, she's worked out about two or three other things now on the internet, but the only thing she really knows how to do is look up where I've been gigging. 
Like sure. that's yeah. like she sure. she's Track really computer. Oh, completely. Mm-hmm. Like she's so computer. Like she's really computer literate. And then she finally, when I went home to visit a couple of years ago, she proudly showed me how she's learned how to. She's learned how to search for things yeah. using the Yahoo. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. And she goes like, I can look up things now. Like, say I want to see where you're gigging. And she types in my name. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the only thing she's worked out. Did she even right. say gigging? That seems oh, pretty No, inside. I think it's probably like where you've been doing your oh, shows. okay. okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Your skits? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your skits have been happening. Wow. Yeah, comedy skit shows. So the, so the, the, the metal 3D printing, the plastic ones tend to work by sort of have a little nozzle that moves... Uh, and squirts out a little bit of the plastic and it solidifies. Right. Layer by but, layer. Yeah, the metal one, uh, or at least this this particular design, uh, uses lasers to to etch the shape of the cross-section into metal powder, uh, and it, and they heat it so it solidifies and creates a solid layer. So it's built up layer by layer in the same okay. way. So there's metal powder. The mm-hmm. laser, which is obviously computer-controlled, fires at the specific bit of the metal powder, heats it up, melts it, and it solidifies in a layer, and it builds it up bit by bit in different intricate patterns. How is that not subtractive? Because I know uh, 3D printing still technically, it's called additive additive printing, so... I, I suppose there'll be... Um, that seems like carving it out of metal, because I know the, the big benefit of 3D printing is less waste. That's the, like the number one reason. Well, well, no, it's not carving well, out of a... It's, it's, uh, there's a metal powder dispenser. Yeah, so here's, here's the design. So, there's a metal powder dispenser at the top, and it blows, or like... Pu- pushes metal like pa- metal powder over Willy-nilly. over the object okay <laughs> the lasers fire it melts it in a little layer right and i guess whatever powder isn't used just gets pushed back into the system like a fountain just gets picked back up and goes back into the sure. general circulation okay. okay and then that gets and then more powder gets pushed over the over the top of what's been created laser shoots again solidifies it where you need it powder goes back round and layer by layer it's built up now like a cake yeah. Are we sure that... I mean, obviously, they've worked this out. I don't even know why I bring up questions about these things. But it sounds to me like would they have to make sure it's a completely like, sterile or clean environment. If you're making really high-risk components, you know, parts that you're going to use on rockets and things like that... Yeah, or, you or, don't want there to be like a bit of dust you, in the middle of well, the you thing. Well, don't, you don't want there to be some weak metal that was half-heated, half-heated powder, and then it comes yeah. back... I mean, you think And that, this is really hot, by the way. It's, they're heating it up to 3,000 degrees centigrade. But, I mean, is this stronger than, like, modern-day crucible steel? I mean, or, or is it still... I, yeah, it does still seem like it can't be as good it as says these high machines. Strength, it seems like there's no way. Yeah. Apparently, there's a high-strength components. Uh... And no, it does. It does seem like they are. Uh, uh, it does seem like in certain cases they're actually stronger than traditional ways of making it, just because they, um, because everything's in one single piece. So there's no joins, so you can have quite complex shapes that are f- forged in a single, in a single chunk of metal. That makes sense. Sure. Sure. So this is awesome, and our fans are going to love it for some reason. They so they say, they say they're making it now. It can withstand, what, 3,000 Celsius? Well, no, 3,000 is actually how hot it has to be, the lasers have to be, to melt the metal to create the thing. Which means, though, that the metal could be used in, in almost any application. Like uh, they, they said it could be used on, on rockets or in, in nuclear fission. Oh, no, no, I'm that's completely so wrong. Ignore me, ignore me. That's not how hot it has to go at all. Right, but, uh, but that's what it can withstand. That's what it can withstand, oh, okay. and okay. because of that, the things that they're printing using this technique might be used um, for nuclear fusion reactors. Right. Nuclear fusion is still very much the experimental, right. mostly theoretical stage. Right. Uh, if you could <clears throat> make anything in the 3D printer, what would it be? Very good question. Ooh. One thing. One thing. I think we've talked about this, and you can't make more printers. You can't cheat. You're not allowed to make more <laughs> printers. That's like three more wishes. wishes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. 
but it can be a complex thing. Just complex one thing, and you only thing. get to use the 3D printer once, once in your life. In your life. Oh. I would I would use something that I created then, but only two dimensionally, just to actually see it in an action. You know, like like okay. so use like a CGI program to make something cool. I don't know anything. So you'd take something from something. 2D that you made to 3D. Yeah, like I'd, I'd take a you know it just just because that's the how else are you going to make that happen? Mm. You know, I mean uh, something so kind of like something that's artistic more than functional. Something you created visually. Yeah. Okay. You yeah, see. and just apply it to a 3D program, and then and then have like it's like a completely unique sculpture to you or something. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I've always fancied having a gauntlet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a big metal glove. Yeah. You look great in a gauntlet. I've be, often thought that about you. I, could it have like a movement to it? Oh yeah, it no, there would be yeah, movement. Yeah. I would just, it wouldn't be like a, just a claw. Okay. <laughs> right, but but I mean, you could just buy a gauntlet though. It's like a That's point. You true. Had the money to buy the gauntlet. You're but, not but using this to the fill. <laughs> custom fitted. Well, you, I'm about, sure you could get one of those. What about a perfect replica of my head in in steel that I could just mount on the bookcase? That's a good like idea. It's quite a narcissistic option, is but it, is it? Yeah, is it? Or is it the <laughs> big yeah. metal me? Big metal me, yeah. No regular size metal me. Well, I have a huge head, so I guess it would be. Uh... No, I think I try to make something useful that would actually like be um, a device that does something. I can't think of any device that I don't have right now that I would want. I mean, like mm. a mm. counterfeit money printer. A uh... well, that's kind of like wishing for more wishes, though. Is, still, yeah. Of, yeah. 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 Cheating. Hmm. I, you know, it's been so long since I've hung out anywhere where it's 3,000 degrees Celsius that I can't, I can't <laughs> even know. It's been months. <laughs> what, would, what would you print? Oh, um, does metal withstand fire? Yeah, Some yeah. metals do, yeah. yeah I was thinking that I'd heat. like maybe like make my coffin for my... For <laughs> oh my... God. My, why? So much morbidity in this episode. I know. You, want to, you know what I know, you want I to keep be, on bringing it back be, to my death. You're going to be cremated though, so that's going to be a waste of... So you yeah, so right? basically like I'd be preserved... Would okay. I? So you put the ashes oh, in the, the casket? Wait, you're putting ashes in a coffin? But it, oh, but, but then you no, can't but cremate the yourself, coffin... then that's just going to cook you. You're going to be oven cooking yourself inside. Yes, okay. So so if my coffin is made out of the metal from the two, the, the 3D printer, yeah. then what happened when I go into the flames? I think what would happen... If, if you made a completely sealed all-in-one-piece coffin without even... Because I guess you could print the thing around you so there isn't even an opening or a lid. It's just one <gasps> single piece. A completely oh. sealed, yeah. So you'd be a completely... So, I so that'd guess be a what, good mummification. I guess what would probably happen is, yeah, you you sort of be cooked slash mummified if you went into the oven. The the heat of the oven would kill any microbes that were inside there that would help decompose your body. Mm-hmm. So you would be, I would, you'd be sort of half roasted, right? <laughs> like like a you know like right. a chicken or something in the oven. Sure, you, that would happen depending on how long you're in but there. But then you'd for. stay like that. But then you would stay, I guess. Pretty much like that's airtight. Yeah. And yeah. there's no microbes in there. You, I don't know mm. what kind of decomposition there is. It, I get, it would also depend on how many of the internal microbes got cooked to the point that they were all killed. Sure. Right. Let's just, for but the let's purposes assume, of this thought experiment, let's, let's just assume. say you're cooking for hours at a crazy hot temperature. So everything's going to get. Yeah. 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 Let's so, say it's all, it's all out of there. That's a cool idea. What would ha- so it's, it's an airtight thing that has air in it. So like, would would there be burning for a little while until the oxygen's gone? And then... They, what, yeah, what, yeah, I guess the there actual... would be, because there's oxygen in there. So we're all picturing a decomposing Karen Gillum right now. <laughs> right, is, that <laughs> is everyone on the same page yeah, here? Just, so <laughs> <laughs> just to, think tomorrow someone has a fan fiction story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your mom's calling you again? Right. Oh Karen, God, there's God, been God. another... <laughs> And then Matt Smith's mummy walks in. 
but something's not airtight. This <laughs> <laughs> um, story involves an embalmer who just calls himself the doctor? What is this about? <laughs> what, what, Karen, sweetie, what is this? That, that seems a good a point as any to have Probably. Yeah. Probably. Thank oh. you so much for coming. Yeah, Thank very, you so much for having me. Karen. I feel yeah. like I've learned a lot and sufficiently weirded you out. <laughs> Oh, well, I got a better a guitar. I would make a guitar. That's you a make, better thing to print with. That is. Okay, yeah. 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 Get about the head. Keep okay. it light. Yeah. <laughs> what about, yeah, what about like a perfect like Stradivarius? Like what about, a perfect yeah. one. Instruments. Musical instruments. It'd be awesome to have yeah, a yeah, nice, yeah. nice metal piano. Okay. I just wanted to say I wasn't going to make my own head. Okay, sorry. You were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Karen, where can the three of our listeners who don't already know who you are find out about you? Oh, um, oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean... Uh, I don't know. Are you on what Twitter? Am I to say? Uh, oh, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, sorry. I'm not, <laughs> not very good at that. Um, so I'm on Twitter, and my name is Karen Gillen, too. Oh, you know what? I think within a year you will find Who your, took Karen your managers Gillen will find a way to strong arm Karen Gillen one. Into- oh no, no! Like Twitter have like got in touch with me and they've been like, "Do you want Karen Gillen?" And I was like, "No, thanks, Twitter." Oh, I like my name. Wow, <laughs> Karen Gillen too. Yeah. Wow. Because it makes it sound like there's some, like a clone some or something. Poor woman in Ohio named Karen Gillen just having her knees beaten by like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Give up yeah. the name. <laughs> Wait a second. What do I do? I just went to twitter.com slash Karen Gillen and it, two tweets from this woman. Really? 346 followers. She what just, are the tweets? She just said, joining Twitter, exclamation point, <laughs> and then watching Extreme Home Makeover and checking emails. And that's the reason that's you had great. to use Karen wow, Gillen. Wow, that's great. So the world could see that. That was sent out four years ago. Wow. Four that's years so ago. funny. The other oh. Jesse Case just got married, and I've been getting a lot of congrats. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. A lot of congratulations. At Andy Wood on Twitter is a youth minister in the Tampa Bay area. Sure. Who's gotten name checked on like uh, Doug Benson's Twitter feed from time to time incorrectly. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, uh, and there's a website, I assume. Uh, uh, oh, I don't have a website myself. Nah, me neither. So um, you're just tweeting? I just That's tweet. The best way? Yeah, I I don't do any other social tweet media. And go and see Guardians of the Galaxy. And also, your films just come out in the UK. You're in, in the Oh film. yeah, actually, yeah. It's called Not Another Happy Ending. So if anyone is listening from the UK, it is in cinemas right now. And a, and a custom iPhone case to boot. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't put that on there myself. This is shameless promotion. The producer of the film slapped this onto my phone. So that's okay. What is it? I can't see what it says. Oh, it says it, Not Another Happy Ending. Oh, okay, yes. It's the logo for the film. That's great. Cool. Which you can't see, listeners, but... It's a very 60s aesthetic to it, sort of a... Yeah. Um, um, what, the My Fair Lady sort of thing. I don't know. What kind of movies have those sorts of graphics and fonts? And this, yeah, small independent ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can only afford Helvetica. Yeah. It's like, oh, I thought fonts were free. No, nope, <laughs> no, only Helvetica. <laughs> so go and see that. Go and follow Karen on Twitter. And as always, any questions, comments, clarifications, email us probablyscience at gmail.com. Tweet us at probablyscience. And have some class writing those fan fictions. Her mom's reading those. <laughs> you know? Keep it clean. Yeah, happy, yeah, give, yeah, give that a happy end. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, 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 I was saying that as like a, a literal clean ending, ending, but then. I realize that's also a euphemism. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you can't. There's no way to win that joke. No, No. (laughs) all I can think of is those like bat things. (laughs) If anyone wants to, I'm not even. You're a very good sport, Karen. You're a very good sport. (laughs) Yes. So thanks for listening to Probably in Your Window. Go see Kaisers of the Universe. And um, uh, we've had a great time here. We'll see you next week. Thank you.